case is submitted. We'll hear argument next in number 89-1008, Owen against Owen. You may proceed whenever you're ready. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, the, uh, the issue involved in this case is the... the uh, I scope, can't hear you. Could you speak scope, up, please? The scope and effect of Section 522F of the Bankruptcy Code, the lien avoidance you can, uh, provision. You can crank up that... Uh, Maybe you'll be the other way. Maybe be close to the microphone. The uh, the issue in this case is the uh, is the uh, scope and effect of uh, 522F of the bankruptcy code, the lien avoidance provision. Now, the uh, that provision allows. Uh, for the avoidance of certain liens on exempt property uh, that a debtor may retain uh, through the bankruptcy proceedings. Now, in the facts of this case, the, the debtor sought to exempt a homestead property in Florida uh, at the time of the filing of his bankruptcy petition. Under, under Florida law, however, the property was uh, not immune by reason of the exemption uh, to the attachment of a lien which attached to the property prior to the time that the, the exemption was obtained. Now, each of the cases, each of the decisions below, the bankruptcy court, the district court, and the court of appeals, concluded essentially that the lien was not avoidable because the property was uh, was not exempt in the sense that the lien, having attached prior to the time of the exemption right, rendered the property an exception to the homestead exemption. That was the way uh, South Carolina law treated it, wasn't it? That's Florida law. Oh, is it? I'm sorry, Florida law. That's uh, that's purely an expression of the way Florida law treated it. As you'll note in the uh, bankruptcy court decision, uh, the critical part of the holding there uh, asserts uh, or states uh, virtually the precise application of Florida law without uh, any effect being given to 522F. The the Court of Appeals in its decision uh, specifically stated that that, uh, the property was um, 
specifically subject to this exception, being a lien attaching prior to the right of the homestead uh, remained subject to that lien and could be enforced despite the later acquisition of the homestead right. Now, that leads us to the central issue involved in this case. If whether or not it's permissible for state law to define uh, as an exception to the exemption a property encumbered by the lien. In other words, the only reason the property is defeated uh, as to the exemption is by virtue of the attachment of the lien. Now, the lien well, is... Mr. Fischel, could, could a state decide that it wasn't going to allow an exemption at all for homesteads? I see nothing wrong. I see nothing wrong with the... With uh, that conclusion. In other words, I don't believe that it would be impermissible for a state to determine that uh, it was not going to allow the homestead exemption period. And if it did that, then there wouldn't be any relief available under 522F. Absolutely. It wouldn't come into play at all because there would be no uh, exemption uh, upon which this particular ju judicial lien had attached. Consequently, the lien avoidance would not come into play, and um, this case would not be here. The, uh, the fact of the matter is that the Florida law provides for the homestead exemption. On the date that this debtor filed his petition, he was entitled to assert that exemption. Well, that uh, Florida law... <coughs> Florida law at the time this bankruptcy was filed provided that this uh, homestead uh, was not exempt. They, it provided that it was subject to a lien. So you can't say that uh, that it was just totally exempt. Well, wasn't that true under Florida law? The lien was enforceable uh, uh, despite the homestead exemption? Yes, Your Honor. The lien remains enforceable as to a pre-existing judicial lien under state law. Well, to that extent, the, this uh, property was not exempt. But only to that extent, what is it not exempt? Only as to this particular creditor. Mm -hmm. the, the attachment of a lien does not have the effect of rendering the homestead exemption unavailable for all purposes to a debtor who later qualifies for the homestead even if the property already has a lien attached. You think, then, you think a state couldn't say, uh, well, we grant a homestead exemption, uh, but uh, except that uh, all mechanics' liens uh, will be good against the homestead. Well, you know, yes they, or no? I think they could. I'm not. I'm not suggesting well, they could say. They could say, sure, we have a homestead exemption uh, that's good against all liens except mechanics' liens. I'm, you know, I'm not suggesting that. The then how about in bankruptcy then? I'm not suggesting that, that the Florida uh, statute regard, or the Florida decision law regarding homestead exemptions is in any sense invalid. The, the issue here is really whether or not this is going to survive through the lien avoidance mechanism in the bankruptcy proceedings. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with Florida deciding that they're not going to allow uh, 
an exemption for a particular creditor, and that's all this is. They're not going to allow an exemption for a particular creditor uh, to be to deny that creditor uh, a right against the property, but at the same time, that doesn't prevent the the homesteader uh, from achieving homestead status for the property, which he could protect against the wide world other than this creditor. Florida is perfectly, it's perfectly all right for them to allow such a protection for a given creditor. That's not the end of the question, though. The issue then becomes, what is the effect of 522F once the bankruptcy petition is filed? Now, when we focus on that, we note that this is a judicial lien. It's not been, it's not been uh, challenged as being anything other than that. On the date that the debtor filed his petition, he was entitled to the exemption generally under Florida law. The bankruptcy court acknowledged this. But to say he was entitled to the exemption generally really doesn't say a whole lot, does it? I mean, he, he was not entitled to have the exemption uh, supersede the, pre, the pre-existing lien. Under state, under state law. Under state law, Your Honor, that's correct. That is correct. But the real problem here is if this state law rule carries over into bankruptcy, then we have destroyed any effectiveness of the lien avoidance provision in bankruptcy. Because if it were permissible for Florida to say, by decisional law, which it has, that this particular lien is going to be enforceable, despite the later acquisition of the homestead right, then that situation carried over into bankruptcy is going to defeat the effectiveness of 522F. Well, the only think, no, no. Why didn't Congress intend that it, by, by uh, permitting a state to opt out uh, of the federal scheme and specify its own exemptions? Well, Your Honor... I think they would contemplate it that the state could... Uh, could define the exemptions they were granting in any way they wanted to. Well, Your Honor, they did in a sense, Congress did in a sense allow states to opt out. But the opt out is essentially limited to the types and quantities of property that may be exempted in bankruptcy. They allow states to choose their own. There's no question about that. Florida has done so, but the Florida statute, which in effect opts Florida out of the the federal exemptions, makes no reference to attempting to opt out of the lien avoidance provision of 522F. It's silent on that. I guess that's why the case is here. Yes, Your Honor, I think so. so I don't think I don't think we have Florida. Uh, Florida hasn't made any attempt to evade or opt out of the lien avoidance provision. It has only opted out of the list of quantities and types of property which uh, an exemption may be enjoyed. Now, if if we have, as we do here, a situation where the exception to the exemption, which is, in this case, the lien encumbrance, the the encumbrance, uh, 
if that is an exception to the exemption, then it no longer is the impairment of the exemption within the application of 522F. If it disappears as an impairment, then the, the, uh, the concept of impairment disappears. The exception takes it out of, out of uh, the realm of property uh, upon which the lien avoidance could be applied. I don't think that Congress ever intended that uh, a state would, would be entitled to define its exemptions in such a way that it could defeat the operation of another section of the code. Do you give any uh, significance to the f introductory clause of 522F notwithstanding any waiver of exemptions? That's really not necessary under your view, is it? Under the way you read the statute. Well, Your Honor, the... Or, or is it? Am I wrong? So, some state statutes have, uh, have uh, defined their exemption laws in such a way that uh, certain, certain acts uh, or agreements undertaken between the creditor and the debtor have the effect of waiving an exemption or, or waiving a protection in bankruptcy that might, be, that might, be, uh, might have been accorded the debtor in the particular property. Those, those aren't taken care of by 522E? No, Your Honor, I don't. Uh, 5, 522F, um, I think, is broad enough to cover any kind of exemption that... that but, but is it needed in light of 522E? Under your, under your interpretation. I don't, I don't see what force and effect it has. It's, it's a transition from the previous section. Well, in other words, even a voluntary relinquishment of a protection that a debtor might have under state law wouldn't preclude him from asserting his exemption rights once bankruptcy is filed and lien avoidance is sought. All right. Um, that... Uh, how critical is the language in the statute 522F uh, that refers to an exemption to which the debtor would have been entitled? Well, I think that's significant uh, if, you, if, you, uh, if you look at it from the point of view that uh, there must be some reason for the lien avoidance remedy uh, that Congress enacted. That is probably a recognition that there are reasons, uh, liens arising under state law, which would impair uh, exemptions. There, might, there would be some reason why the state law would have the effect of denying a debtor the right to use the exemption and protect his exemption through bankruptcy, and thus deny him the, the full benefit and meaning of his fresh start. I think, the, I think both, uh, both the Senate and House uh, versions uh, with respect to the legislative history um, indicate that uh, the lien was uh, the lien could be avoided and that it was intended to operate where the debtor could have enjoyed an exemption in the absence of the lien. It was a recognition that a lien uh, normally or otherwise unaffected by the bankruptcy discharge would pass through and remain attached to the exempt property 
and it would frustrate the debtor's fresh start. It was, uh, I believe, under the Bankruptcy Act, um, there was essentially no remedy for for uh, avoidance of liens uh, that attached to property uh, prior to bankruptcy. In other words, the bankruptcy discharge had no effect on liens. They passed through. The creditor was free to assert his uh, rights as a secured creditor following bankruptcy, and uh, the fresh start was less than fresh. I think that's I think if if we permit if we permit or fail to independently apply the lien avoidance provision to the state exemption definitions that we will run the risk of having the result that we have here the state specifically accepts from its exemption as to this creditor a lien attaching if lien avoidance is not independently applied to the state exemption scheme then the exception to the exemption as noted by the Court of Appeals in this case they concluded it was an exception to the exemption if the lien is the exception to the exemption then it's taken out of the application of lien avoidance because the exception makes it impossible to, to assert the exemption. Mr. Fischel, do you, do you, uh, you, you give any uh, weight to the fact that uh, 522F does not say, notwithstanding any waiver exemption, that the debtor may avoid a lien on the interest of the debtor? It says the debtor may avoid the fixing of a lien. Is, 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 is that at, at all a suggestion that it's only talking about, uh, uh, it is not referring to uh, liens that have attached uh, early before the bankruptcy proceeding? No, Your Honor, I don't, uh, I don't think that that, uh, I don't think that that refers to a situation where a lien, uh, if, 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 it, if, if it's in essence a prospective fixing of the lien, um, this this may in in many ways um, be an unrealistic view, in the sense that uh, if a debt is discharged, it may not constitute a lien post petition. In other words, I'm sure that uh, that uh, the lien attaches at some point. If it attaches pre petition then it can constitute an impairment to the exemption. Does that answer your question, Your Honor? Yes, I think I think I I think I I understand what you're saying, but I don't under, I don't understand why the uh, uh, why the statute is phrased the way it is. One would have thought they would have just said the debtor may avoid a lien on the interest of the debtor. But it doesn't it says may avoid the fixing of a lien. It, it's it's sort of a strange phrase. Maybe it means nothing. Which is essentially what you say. It doesn't mean anything. Well, I don't. All I'm suggesting is that I don't. I don't think that uh, that it uh, it had to have referred to a situation where the Congress contemplated the fixing of a lien uh, 
at some time post-petition. In other words, 522F wouldn't apply until a bankruptcy petition is filed, and if it was only prospective in its application, uh, I, don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's what Congress had in mind. What did they have in mind? Why? Do you have any other meaning for the fixing of, or you just... I mean, maybe it doesn't have any. Uh... Well, I don't, think, I don't think that it necessarily cannot... I don't think it's... It's, it, it, it's a situation where it could not be read to apply to uh, liens attaching prior to bankruptcy. Um, I, I don't see the significance of, of reading it in such a limited fashion. <coughs> May I ask you another question, just referring to the language of 522F? The, the avoidances of the... Um, lien or the fixing of a lien, to the extent that such lien impairs an exemption to which the debtor would have been entitled under subsection B. Now, as I understand it, in this case, the property was exempt from the claims of general creditors under subsection B, which was, isn't, it didn't in effect keep the property out of the estate for administration of bankruptcy purposes. That's, that's correct, Your Honor. So that there was no impairment of the exemption. Even if the lien survives, and, and only remedy the creditors, the secured creditors' only remedy is a perhaps a state lawsuit or a post-bankruptcy uh, enforcement of the lien, but the property was retained the entire exemption from the bankruptcy proceedings. Well, so that's your honor. The the bankruptcy court decision on that issue specifically did not determine. I understand. This particular creditor's rights with respect to the property. But it did hold, as I understand it, that the property was exempt from, it didn't have to be listed or whatever you do as an asset of the estate. That's, that's correct. It allowed it as a general is, exemption. That, that's the complete exemption to which you're entitled if the property was exempt. It's a, it was exempt from the claims of general creditors and it couldn't be charged for the cost of administration or anything like that. That it seems to me under the language of it, I don't quite understand how you, how, how you can say that the lien impaired the exemption. You got the exemption. Well, the impairment exists because under state law, this property remains subject to this particular creditor's lien. Right. That's independently of the bankruptcy proceeding. The property is exempt from any bankruptcy remedy. Well... Maybe, I, maybe of, I missed something. The lien avoidance provision is specifically designed to avoid liens that impair exemptions. Now, the bankruptcy court determined that the debtor was entitled to this exemption. This lien remains enforceable under non-bankruptcy law following discharge unless this lien is avoided. 522F gives that relief. It, the lien is or the exemption is impaired because the property remains subject to the lien and the lien is enforceable. Therefore, if the lien is not avoidable under 522F, the creditor executes on the property and the debtor has lost his homestead. But not in the bankruptcy proceeding. No, sir. The, if, if the lien is, if, if for some reason the lien were not avoided, the creditor would be able to proceed in state court and execute on the property. But the lien avoidance is a federal bankruptcy remedy 
to preserve exemptions. Under the, I think the, the, the legislative history of these sections of the code and uh, as early as the Commission on Bankruptcy Laws in 73, there was a great deal of concern about, uh, about uh, property, uh, exempt property, if you will, being lost following bankruptcy because liens were not avoided, exemptions of themselves didn't have the effect of insulating the property from, uh, from uh, pre-existing liens. There was no lien avoidance remedy prior to the code. I think, I think the lien avoidance was a specific federal remedy designed to, uh, to enhance the debtor's fresh start and to assure that the property, if it was exempt, and for some reason remained subject to a lien, a lien could be avoided. Now, the lien avoidance remedy applies to only uh, very specific kinds of liens, F1 and F2. Um, the F1 is the non-consensual uh, judicial lien. F2 is a more limited remedy. I think, I think that if, if, if this court does not recognize that this lien is impaired or this, this exemption is not impaired. It is only not impaired uh, because uh, the Court of Appeals uh, has concluded that there's an exception for uh, lien encumbered property. If it's lien encumbered property that falls within the confines of F1, where where will F1 apply if state law or state legislatures can create exceptions to their exemption schemes, which include definitions that, that take the property out of the operation of 522F? F would be rendered a useless and meaningless um, uh, remedy if the definitions could include uh, exceptions for lien encumbrances. I'd like to reserve the rest of my time now. Very well, Mr. Fischel. Mr. Dyke, we'll hear now from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, uh, Florida is known in the bankruptcy parlance uh, as a debtor's state, and uh, it is called that because it's unusually generous in terms of the exemptions that it grants. Uh, under the federal uh, scheme of exemptions in 522D, uh, only, only $7,500 would be available uh, for a homestead exemption. In Florida, uh, there's an acreage limitation, but the amount is unlimited. Now, essentially what the petitioner in this case is suggesting is that Congress in Section 522F uh, was intending to force the states to be more generous uh, than they decided to be. Uh, I think Mr. Dyke, is the Florida homestead uh, allowance, is it of a specific dollar amount, or is it of a, is it of a piece of property? It's a piece of property. In, in rural areas, it's 160 acres. In urban areas, it's a half an acre. Uh, and uh, what you have here uh, with respect to the first argument that we make in this case, and that is that there's no exemption on which 522F can operate, uh, is an agreement between the petitioner and respondent that to the extent that this property is covered by a lien, it is simply not exempt uh, uh, by virtue of Section 522B. There is no exemption to the extent that the property is covered by a lien. 
And our suggestion is that 522F simply has nothing on which to operate under these circumstances because it only applies when it would impair an exemption to which the debtor is otherwise entitled. And there isn't uh, wasn't there a — didn't the bankruptcy court uh, decide uh, uh, that there wasn't an exemption? I, I suppose uh, when you file here, you have to file the schedule of — of your property, and you have to make a specific claim about that some property is exempt. The, the bankruptcy court. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, didn't your client object to this claim? Yes. And uh, the bankruptcy court rejected that. No, not quite. What, well, uh, uh, not, what the bankruptcy? You objected to it, but you didn't win. Now, well, what the, what the bankruptcy court did, and I'm not sure that this opinion of the of the bankruptcy court is in the appendix to the petition, but what the bankruptcy court said was uh, this property is exempt from the claims of unsecured creditors, and I'm not going to decide uh, initially. Uh, uh, that's right, but that's a, I, I know the, uh, the lien avoidance was not a, at issue at that time. Yes, it was. Well, uh, he didn't decide it anyway. He didn't he decide said it. That, he said that this property was exempt under Florida law in this bankruptcy proceeding from the claims of general creditors. That, that's, and it was not subject to the general administration by the trustee. That's correct. And, and what, what happened was when the uh, exemption was claimed, the respondent filed an objection to that exemption on the very ground that we're talking about now. The respondent said there is no exemption available here to the extent that this property is subject to the lien because that's the way Florida law defines the exemption. And the, the bankruptcy court, in our view, didn't quite look at it correctly. He said, well, uh, I'm going to rule that there is an exemption, but I'm not going to decide the lien question. In our view, you didn't appeal that order, I guess. I don't think it was appealable because it wasn't an adverse judgment against us. He hadn't decided the lien question. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a final judgment that would have been appealable. Well, literally, he decided against you by saying that there was an exemption. You say there wasn't an exemption. No, he reserved the question of whether. I, I know, but he, you, you, you just a while ago you said that you said that this property just wasn't exempt. There that's wasn't correct. anything for 522F to operate on. That's correct. And that's what we said in the bankruptcy court. And, he, and what he said was, well, I'm going to view this as exempt from the claims of, of general creditors, but I'm not going to reach the question of uh, uh, what the effect of that is on the lien. There since he, he reserved that for the future, he didn't decide that until some future time. What sort of a what, – what phase of the bankruptcy proceedings was it? that the bankruptcy judge made this particular finding? Early in the bankruptcy proceedings, what, what happens is there's a schedule of property filed as, as part of the bankruptcy petition. Uh, the, the condominium that's at issue here was listed there, and an exemption was claimed for it. Right, and on, right on the schedule. Right on the schedule. And there was an objection, uh, as required by the rules, filed. By your client. By your client. Yes. yes. There was an objection filed with respect to that exemption on the ground that there was no exemption available under Florida law to the extent of the lien. And the, the, the bankruptcy court uh, ultimately got around to resolving that question in a later ruling in the course of the case rather than in this earlier ruling. Yes, but it, let me just stop you if I may. If the property worth more, had been, I don't know what the facts are, worth more than the amount of your client's claim, so that theoretically there would be a, a portion available to the claims of general creditors, at least it is established that the property was that, to that extent exempt. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about that. So then if it's, if it's at least in the category of exempt property, why, how do you get along, around the language of 522F that the only thing that uh, 
about the exemption that wasn't impaired is the lien, to the extent that such lien impairs an exemption to which the — Justice Stevens, I, I was not agreeing that it is exempt property. The way Florida defines the exemption, it is exempt property only to the extent that it's not covered by the preexisting lien. It is not exempt to the extent that it's covered by the preexisting lien. What Congress did uh, in 522 was — In other words, the, the condominium is treated as over two separate parcels. One parcel is exempt. That's the part that the general creditors would try and reach, and the other parcel is non-exempt. Right. Just, just as the Florida could have decided to, instead of having a half-acre exemption, it could have a quarter-acre exemption or, or an eighth of an acre exemption. It's decided to define this in, in terms of a property which is subject to a pre-existing lien and property the, which is. The problem I have with that is the language of the statute refers to an interest of the debtor in property to the extent that such lien impairs an exemption and so forth, which seems to me to assume for purposes of that language that the amount of the lien is less than the total value of the property. Well, I don't think to the extent of the impairment. Well, I think in, in many cases it, uh, the, the amount of the lien will be less than the total amount of the property. Just uh, apparently doesn't happen to be the case here. What, well, well, but not, not, not under your, your view, because you say there are really two kinds of property. There are two kinds of property. In this particular case, it is, a, it is probable that the lien was greater than the amount of the property. So in Justice Stevens' hypothetical, there, there wasn't any property uh, uh, which would qualify for the exemption here because it was all subject to a lien. In, in most situations, the property probably would be uh, greater in value than the amount of the lien, but that didn't happen to be the case here. And what Congress was concerned about, the petitioner has suggested that 522F is meaningless uh, if our construction is adopted. What Congress was concerned about here was, was several things. First of all, it was concerned with the rule of, of Long against Bullard, this uh, ancient uh, Supreme Court case, which said that even if there's an exemption uh, uh, that, uh, uh, as a matter of federal law, apparently, uh, that the lien is going to be preserved. And uh, Congress, when it uh, enacted 522, decided to adopt the rule of Long versus Bullard uh, as a general matter, and you see that in 522C, and to preserve uh, most liens, in particular decided to preserve purchase money uh, mortgages and liens, but to carve out uh, an exception from the rule of Long against Bullard in the case of these judicial liens and non-purchase money, non-possessory liens. And what it was doing in that respect was trying to uh, serve state policy in those states that adopted out of the federal exemptions to uh, where, where a state uh, uh, did not define the property in the limited way that Florida did here, it, 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 uh, uh, Congress decided to assist state policy by voiding the lien. And 522F, of course, had other purposes also because there's the alternative list of federal bankruptcy exemptions. 522F operates with respect to that. There are federal non-bankruptcy exemptions. It operates with respect to that. And there are liens uh, created uh, by states outside of the debtor's domiciliary state, and 522F operates with respect to those also. So it's a meaningful provision in, in all of these respects if you, if you adopt our interpretation. Mr. Dyke, to prevail, do you have to read the, the 522F language would have been entitled as is entitled? No. Uh, no, Justice O'Connor. I think it's a question of what the would is referring to. I think it does not mean uh, would have been entitled if Florida had been more generous in defining its exemptions. That, that's not what the would means. Would have been entitled means uh, would have been entitled except for the rule of law against Bullard. In other words, this federal lien preservation policy. So that's, 
that's what the meaning of the word would is in there. And as far as Justice Scalia's question about uh, uh, fixing, uh, the use of the word fixing, I don't attribute any significance to that either. A lot of people are puzzled about that. It can't mean uh, prospectively because uh, the uh, uh, automatic stay provision in Section 362 of the Code would prevent the fixing of a judicial lien after the filing of the bankruptcy petition. So it has to be referring to past liens. Is the first phrase, notwithstanding any exemption of any waiver of exemptions, necessary just for absolute clarity? Well, I think I think what there's a question as to whether, for for example, uh, a state would have the power to allow people to waive exemptions. The, the answer to and that's dealt with in the in the clause that you read and, and also in section 522e. E, yeah. Uh, which, which also talks about waivers. I, I, I think that's a, a rather different question than, than we have in this case, and a, and a somewhat difficult one uh, in, in view of uh, some of the past Supreme Court cases dealing with the issue of waiver. But, but that's a, a separate question, which uh, the Court may have to save for some other day. But in terms of the ability of the state to define property, that's what the controversy was all about between the House and the Senate in enacting Section 522, and the Senate essentially won out, and the states were given the right to define what is property for purposes of the exemption, what the exemption should be, and uh, the effort to federalize the exemptions essentially failed. Florida has the right to define the exemption. It's opted out of the federal exemption scheme, and so it's defined the exemption not to include uh, property to the extent of the lien. There's nothing on which 522 can operate. Could you, I know you did it already, and I, I just didn't follow part of your discussion. Could you give me an example of a, the avoidance of a judicial lien to which this language applies? Uh, uh, yes, Justice Stevens. Let's suppose, for example, that a state had uh, created a $400 exemption uh, for personal property, and uh, the consequence there is that an individual comes into bankruptcy and he decides, he designates which $400 worth of property he'd like to exempt. Now, under state law, some of that property may come into bankruptcy uh, subject to liens. 522F says, under those circumstances, if the state has a $400 exemption, you're going to avoid the judicial liens and non-possessory, non-purchase money liens in that property. That's not a situation in which a state has made a choice, such as Florida, to preserve the lien. It's just been silent about it, and and that's fairly frequent. Um, the, the, the second part of our argument, of course, relates to this interesting question of retroactivity, uh, which has uh, occupied this court in a number of occasions over the last several years. And what we suggest is there's an alternative ground, if you need to reach it, to affirm the uh, judgment below, and that is that uh, federal law should not be construed to require the retroactive application of state law. Uh, state law here is very clear that uh, when there's a new exemption created, as there was here for single people, that it doesn't apply to pre-existing liens. So under Florida, there's a, a, a rule against retroactivity of these exemptions. In the Security Industrial Bank case, of course, this court determined that uh, uh, federal law 522F uh, should not be construed to operate retroactively. Uh, we've suggested that under the Kenner case, Justice Holmes' opinion in the Kenner case, that uh, federal law should not be construed as requiring that state law operate retroactively. And that's essentially for the same reasons as this court articulated in Holt and uh, Security Industrial Bank and 
articulated most clearly uh, in the Kenner case. Unless there are further questions, uh, I have nothing further. Thank well, you, Mr. One question, Excuse if me. I may. Your interpretation does rather cut against the fresh start policy, I suppose. I don't, I don't think it, it really does, Justice O'Connor. Uh, the fresh start policy is not a policy that the debtor carry all his property through bankruptcy. It's a, it's a policy that he have a certain amount of property to begin again. And the, the states are uh, to define uh, what that property is. And uh, some states are very generous uh, the way Florida is, and some states are not so generous. Uh, I, as I said at the beginning of my argument, I don't think there's any indication in the legislative history of 522 that Congress was somehow dissatisfied with Florida's generosity and felt that something more was required. If they had uh, done that, they would have uh, enacted the uh, mandatory federal exemptions uh, that were proposed, and they would have increased, vastly increased the amount of those exemptions. Um, Florida's giving people much more than the $7,500 federal exemption in, in the vast majority of these cases. May I ask you another question and along the same line? I gather under the Fresh Start policy, your client's claim against uh, your opponent to the extent that it exceeded the value of this property has been discharged. It was not a non-dischargeable debt. Of That's it. correct. There, there's no question, but that there's no personal liability of the debtor here. The sole question is whether uh, the uh, property is going to uh, pass through bankruptcy with the lien intact or without the lien intact. And if the lien attaches, if the lien survives, uh, and the, pro- the value of the property fluctuates, how do how do how do we know the value of the lien when the when the debt has been discharged? I'm a little puzzled. Maybe I'm just stupid about this, but I- uh, well, there's another provision of the bankruptcy code, uh, 506, uh, which deals with this. If I understand your question correctly. And under 506D, if the lien exceeds the value of the property at the time of the bankruptcy, that that uh, uh, excess amount of the lien is voided as a result of passing through bankruptcy. So if we had a situation here uh, where the property is worth $135,000 and the lien is $158,000, as a result of the bankruptcy proceeding, the lien is reduced to $135,000. Now, the bankruptcy proceeding is over, isn't it? Yes. So has that has the amount of the, the value of the lien been ascertained? Uh, I think the amount of the lien has been ascertained at $158,000. I don't think there was any determination of the value. The value uh, was listed at $135,000, and I don't recall that there was any dispute about that. Okay, thank you. Thank, thank you, Mr. Dyke. Mr. Fischel, do you have rebuttal? Uh, yes, Your Honor. Yes, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, the... Uh, the generosity or lack thereof that a state chooses to give is, uh, is up to the state, and the bankruptcy code leaves, leaves that as it is. But the lien avoidance remedy is something that is federally created. If you, both the uh, Senate and House versions of the legislative history make it apparent that uh, uh, a lien was to be uh, avoided to the extent uh, that an exemption could be enjoyed in the absence of the lien. If this, if this, uh, if this debtor's property is is executed on, uh, he will be deprived of his exemption by a loan creditor. This will not serve to benefit the uh, the, the general administration of his estate. It will not serve to benefit the the larger share of his of his creditors. 
<clears throat> this would not, in, by any stretch of the imagination, um, <clears throat> pardon me, um, uh, succeed in giving this debtor a fresh start. This was a no-asset case. His lone asset is the homestead. Florida law gives him the homestead. This lien is the only, the only thing that takes that exemption away. This lien is precisely within the definition of the terms and the conditions of 522F1 and needs to be avoided. If you permit state exceptions uh, for lien encumbered property to defeat 522F, then we will return to pre-code days where all liens pass through bankruptcy unavoided and the, cre and the debtor has no remedy, has no means of securing the exemption to himself following his discharge. That's the reason that I believe that, uh, that uh, if, if, if this court takes an independent application of 522F upon whatever categories, quantities, or types of property that a state has, has, has included within its list of exemptions and makes an independent application of the lien avoidance provision above and beyond the list selected by the state, then the lien must be avoided. If it's not, then the exemption definitions created by the state will allow states to evade the lien avoidance concept or remedy altogether. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mr. Fischel. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.